You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. We are continuing our series on Psalm 23, calling it The Shepherd. Uh, and that's really because this is a series more about him than it is about us. Sometimes we come to the Word and we go, what can the Word say to me today? What is God trying to tell me today? And sometimes we can unintentionally make the focus about us instead of about him. But really this series we're calling The Shepherd because we want it to be more about him than it is about us. Because it's only as we see him as he truly is that we can see ourselves as we truly are. If you don't see him as he truly is, you won't be able to see yourself as you truly are. So we need to see him really clearly. And actually, our identity is derived from his own status as our shepherd. So last week, we kind of talked about that a little bit. We talked about identity. We said that in Christ, every one of us, our identity is as simple as the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or I belong to God, and therefore I don't lack anything. That is, that is who I am in him. And this week, we're going to go a little bit further into what it is that he does for us. And a major aspect of that is his provision of rest and restoration for us. So time of confession here. How many of you have been physically tired at some point this, in this last week? Okay, I would, I would imagine all of you would have your hands raised because all of us have been there, right? Some of you are there right now. You're like, please don't talk real long because I'm, I might fall asleep. I understand that. I've been, I've been in that life, okay? Um, but you don't have to raise hands about this one, but I would ask also how many of you have felt emotionally or mentally spent at some point in the last week? You don't, you don't have to raise hands. I appreciate your honesty. Um, I would raise my own hand to that emotionally and mentally spent at various times over the last week. The fact is we get spent. We need rest. We can't go and do all the things that we want to do all the time. We need renewal at times. And physically, yes, but also in all kinds of other ways. And why is that the case? Why is that reality for us? And really it's because we are finite creatures. We are finite creatures who often have bigger things in mind for ourselves than we can make happen for ourselves. We are not the ultimate. And yet, to go back to something we talked about last week, we have desires that feel like they're ultimate and desires that we want satisfied, and then we try to reach them and continuously fail to be satisfied because we are limited in our abilities, right? And we respond to that failure to be satisfied in all kinds of different ways and, you know, at different times. Sometimes we just give up, you know, in reaching our desires. We just kind of give up altogether, and sometimes we just try really harder, you know? And I'm all for trying really hard. You know, if you fail at something, you know, pick yourself back up and try, try again with greater focus and greater intensity. But when it comes to trying to find meaning, trying to find ultimate satisfaction, ultimate purpose and fulfillment outside of God, it's a, a fool's game. It's a fool's game and it's not going to get you anywhere. And it's an infinite game. And yet we're finite creatures. We can run and run and run, and eventually we're going to reach the limit for ourselves. We won't be able to go any farther. 
we wear out, we grow tired, and we can't carry the weight of the world on our shoulders regardless of how often we might try. So we let the pressures of this life and the expectations that we feel from others and from ourselves, we let those things sit on us at times, and it becomes too much. Eventually, we're going to reach the breaking point because trying to carry the weight of the world on our own shoulders is more than we were made for. That's more than we were made for. Did you guys know that we are not only finite and limited and all that, but we are dependent creatures? We are made as dependent beings. Last week we talked about Yahweh, how Yahweh is the Lord, right? Yahweh is my shepherd, David said. And we talked about Yahweh being the one through whom all being exists. He's the upholder of all being. Nothing exists outside of him. Remove Yahweh from the picture. You remove everything from the picture. He's the only reason anything exists. I think we forget that sometimes. I think we try to, uh, you know, skirt around that and just try to act like we are the ultimate things or, you know, in some ways, sinful desires get in the way and we just forget. We just forget the truth that we're dependent beings, that you and I actually were made. We were made to submit to a good shepherd. That's what we were made for. We weren't made to try to do things on our own or try to be our own God try to make gods of other things that can't satisfy or ultimately can't hold up their end of the bargain or whatever. We were made to submit to a good shepherd. He knows how to satisfy us, and he knows how to provide rest for us, and he knows how to restore us. And so those are the things that we're going to talk about tonight from Psalm 23. So Psalm 23, we're just going to look at verse 2 and the first little part of verse 3. Okay, let's read that together. Psalm 23 verse 2, and then the first sentence of verse 3. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Read that again. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. There's three really simple things that we're going to say tonight. Three points that I have in mind. I didn't have any points last week. I've got some points this week, but they're not going to blow you away. Okay, they come right out of the text. The shepherd satisfies. The shepherd satisfies is point one. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time thinking through this one because it was kind of a big emphasis last week, but I don't want us to overlook this altogether, that the shepherd is satisfying some needs and desires in these verses. And part of the sheep's dependence on the shepherd is that they need the shepherd's guidance to get them uh, to where they can find the most basic things that they need. So for a sheep, some of the most basic things they need, not only protection, but like food to eat and water to drink, right? And not only that, but like good food to eat and clean water to drink or water that would be healthy for them, right? And the shepherd of this psalm, the shepherd of this psalm provides so much green grass for the sheep that the sheep can lie down in the pasture because it's full. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. It's not just that he leads them to green pastures to eat, but he makes them lie down in green pastures. Like it's an extra step. Like they ate so much that they were satisfied and they could rest. And it makes me think of Thanksgiving meals with my extended family. Okay, there's, I don't know what your family is like. I don't know what your Thanksgiving gatherings are like. Maybe y'all don't even do big family gatherings. But for me, I remember growing up and there always being tons of food. Okay, our family would get together, and, and every person could eat their fill, and we would still have food left over. 
and I was notorious for a long time. I'm better now. I make better decisions with my, my eating at Thanksgiving and, and other times. But I remember times in the past when I was, you know, a younger person and my metabolism worked better. And I would eat like three plates worth of food. And I would be so full that the only thing I could possibly do was lay down and just lay down on the floor and fall asleep or, or groan. I don't even know. And I don't know what your experience is like, but that's what I think of when I think of this. Like, to the point of satisfied, fully satisfied, couldn't eat anything else if I wanted to, the sheep lie down in green pastures. They've had what they needed and then some. There's an abundance for them. And I think sometimes we get stuck in a, um, a scarcity mindset. I was just listening to a podcast uh, yesterday and then some finishing up today, and they were talking about this a whole lot that a scarcity mindset is like that when we think that there's not enough of whatever it is that we feel like we need to go around. Like it's going to run out eventually. It's limited, and so we, we feel like there's a scarcity mindset, and so we end up competing with each other to try to get what it is that we feel like we need. We try to set up ourselves against other people to, to get it, and so we compete and we compare and we try to get ourselves ahead to make sure that we, we have what it is that we feel like we need. And this makes me think of, around Thanksgiving, Black Friday shopping, right? Back in the day, you actually had to go to a store to get deals on Black Friday. I know, that's wild for you to think of. But I remember going to Black Friday deals at Walmart when I was a teenager, and it being chaos. And you hear about news stories where people, like, get trampled because there's this scarcity of mindset. There's only so much of this stuff. I got to go get this. I got to run. I got to beat everybody else there. I actually got to beat other people to get to the thing that I want. And it's just, even though there's extra stuff in the back, you know, like they'll put out so much and, and then there's extra things back there somewhere. And, but there's this mindset, if there's only so much, then I, I have to compete and fight against other people and I've got to make it all about me because if I don't, I'm not going to have what I need. And we can do it with, with things, we can do it with money, we can also do it with success. I've got to put other people down so that I can succeed. We do it with recognition, you know, or, or reputation. You know, I got to make these other people look worse so that I look better. I'm going to talk about these other people behind their back. I'm going to talk about this other organization that I'm not a part of behind their back and try to talk up my own because it's a scarcity mindset. I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to compete if we're going to all, like if I'm going to get what I need or what I feel like I need. And we can do it with influence. And from a worldly perspective, there's no, there's no real satisfaction to be had anyways. They think, I, I got this stuff out here that I, that I want, that I think I might even need, and they run and they chase after it, and they try to get, even if they feel like they get the thing that they were after, there's no real satisfaction in, in it anyways. And so people tear each other down, and they compete with one another, and, and they try to get ahead of each other, and for what? For nothing. I don't want that to be the way that we are, to feel like we have to... Uh, try to get ahead and get things for ourselves, let me remind you who our shepherd is. This is the one who took a few fish and, uh, and bread, loaves of bread, and fed thousands of people with it. And then they had baskets of food left over at the end, one per disciple. That's the same one who the Bible says owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He has more than enough our shepherd knows how to provide, and he has the means to provide. He is the one who called everything into existence out of nothing. Nothing existed until he spoke, and then it just it came to be. 
and he upholds it by his own being, how can we possibly think that he does not have enough for us? Whatever it may be, a material thing or, or something that is not as like hold in the hand, but something that we really feel like we need, how, do we, how can we possibly think he doesn't have enough for us or that he can't satisfy us if this is who he is? And his presence goes with us. He's our, our shepherd. And just as he provides the physical things that we need, you know, or that the shepherd is recognizing the physical things that his sheep need, just as this shepherd does that for the sheep, you know, he, he is more than capable of providing for any felt need that we might have or that we might feel. You know, he told us clearly that he would uh, be producing certain things within us through his Holy Spirit, that if we had his Holy Spirit, if we knew him, we would have his Holy Spirit within us producing certain things in us, among those being love, joy, and peace. What else do we need, right? I think a lot of times that's what we're after. The felt needs that we, we feel, if we were to get down to the root of those things, a lot of those are, I'm just looking for love. I'm looking to know that I'm loved. I'm looking for a sense of joy or satisfaction or just contentment. I'm looking for a sense of peace for these anxieties and these worries that I have. So much of what we want comes down to a few things. And the, these things are on the list of stuff that Jesus is communicating to us through his word in Galatians chapter 5 that he's going to produce in us through his Holy Spirit. Not to mention the ability to practice some of the other character traits that he expects from us, like patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's producing these things in us. Everything that we really need, he knows how to supply, and he can, and he does. And he can lead us where we need to go to find what he knows we need. How do sheep end up in a green pasture? They are led there by the shepherd. They are led there by the shepherd. The shepherd may have been actually carefully cultivating the ground in a certain spot over time in order for uh, the ability to lead the the sheep to that spot. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but shepherds taking care of land and moving sheep around to certain spots where there's good grazing at a certain time and holding off from other parts of land so that that land will develop and become green again so he can move the sheep back over there. There's an intentionality here with our shepherd. He knows where the green grass is. He is preparing it for us and can move us there when he sees that it is time to do so. Not only that, but how do they, uh, they find clean and still water to drink? He leads them there. There's one thing that is clear that the shepherd is providing for his sheep in these verses as well, and that is rest. The shepherd satisfies, but the shepherd also provides rest. You look at what the verse says. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to still waters. And more literally, if you were to read the Hebrew there in still waters, it really reads more like waters of rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to waters of rest. When we're chasing after our desires in our own power and under our own direction, just know it's going to be an endless search. We could look and look and look forever and only exhaust ourselves in doing it. But when you know that you have what you need in him, you can have rest. When you allow him to supply and lead you to what he knows you need, then you can have rest. I was actually just talking to uh, someone in here just this week about this idea, that if you know where your joy and your peace comes from, you're just not worried about as much. If you know 
that you have these things from the Lord, and that is where you're looking for them. You're not looking for it anywhere else. If you know that you are satisfied and have your joy, your sense of joy, and your sense of peace in Him, then you're free then to walk with God. You're free to walk with God and make the most of the life that He's given you because you're not always running after stuff. And because you're not always running after those felt needs and trying to make things happen for yourself, you have an opportunity to just rest in Him, to really live out your life, and to try to walk with Him in a way that is faithful, in a way that is holy, in a way that he has designed for us to live. And not always trying to position yourself ahead of others or trying to compete with them and and try to keep up with ever-changing standards that are put on you. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like the world is always shifting what it tries to focus us on. Or maybe Satan is trying to change what it is that that we ought to focus on. If we feel satisfied in one area of life, he's showing us another area of life that, okay, this isn't up to par or, you know, if we feel like we're good in one area of life, hey, I, I've, I've done really well in this area, then he'll show us the place where we're struggling or we're failing or whatever, or the place where he wants to show us that we're lacking. And we have these ever-changing standards that we feel and put on ourselves maybe even, but Jesus Christ is the only one who has ever been perfect. He's the only one who's ever been perfect. He's the only one who's ever lived up to the only standard that matters, which is God's holy standard. We couldn't do that. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you run, you could run all day and just exhaust yourselves trying to live up to God's holy standard. He's the only one who's ever been able to do that. But then as 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, he became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The only one who could live up to the perfect standard became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The only standard that matters is this righteousness, and he gives it to us. He provides it for us if we put our faith in him. And that brings up a major type of rest that we need to consider when we're thinking about rest. This isn't just physical rest. This is, we're talking about something even more fundamental or more basic to what we really need. The rest that, that we feel from trying to make ourselves right with God. Some of y'all have heard me talk about my own testimony of coming to faith. Um, I prayed a prayer when I was young, like probably a lot of you did, and I got baptized, and, you know, I was just in church, and I, I don't know if I was saved at that young age or not, but I definitely had lots of doubts throughout middle school and early high school, and really, it came down to, I was kind of a perfectionist, and I was trying really, really hard to to make sure I was right with God, make sure I did everything right. I didn't want to drop the ball on things, and I, every time there was sin in my life, I'm like, I've got to fix this. I've got to correct this. I've got to make myself right with God. And that was my mindset until January 16th, 2005. I was 16 years old, and I was finally came to the place where I was, could be honest with God and honest with myself and say, I don't got this. I can't fix myself. I can't make myself you know, stop all these things. I can't make myself stop sinning. I can't make myself right with you. I can't do enough right things to feel like I'm in a good spot with you, God. I can't do it. And it was in that moment where it was like such, such a freedom that I felt in admitting that to God. Like, I can't live up to your perfect standard. I need you to do this for me. And finally, it was like my faith was in just what Jesus had done for me instead of what I could do for him. I think that's a lot of times what our faith is in. We're like, 
My faith is in how good of a faith I can have or how well I obey God. When in reality, our faith needs to be in how well he did what he did on our behalf. He did it completely for me so that I might be saved because I could not do enough for him. And some of you may be in that boat tonight. You've been trying really, really hard to get back right with God. Maybe you went through a season where um, you were kind of stagnant or knew you weren't who you ought to be. Maybe you're in that season right now. Let me set your heart at ease. You can stop your striving right now. You can stop your trying really hard and, and experience life that is free from the burden of works righteousness. A lot of us are, you know, maybe not even aware that that's what we're doing, but we're trying really hard to live a works righteousness before God when he's saying, look, you're not able to save yourself. Let me do this for you. I already did what was necessary for you to be saved. Put your trust in me. And then you can walk free from the burden of this on yourself. So you just need to, alongside what I did, and honestly, alongside what I do all the time as I'm just walking in faith, just admit that you are unable to save yourself. And believe that Jesus is the Son of God who has come on your behalf because he, he knew you couldn't do it. He bore your shame and your guilt all the way to death and then rose with rest in hand for you. So when you put your faith in him, you may actually have real rest in him. You can receive that and you can live in it. And I'm not saying that just because you've been trying really hard lately. Some of you are in that boat. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. I've been, I've been trying really hard to sort of get back right. I was in a place where I didn't need to be or kind of just got stagnant in my faith and I'm trying really hard. I'm not saying that just because you're trying really hard, I'm not saying that that means that you're not a Christian right now. I just think that maybe you need to be reminded of the gospel, that, that if you belong to Jesus, he's already done what is necessary for you. And he is the one that is providing the rest that you really need. If you'll just come to him, you'll see that Jesus is your source of rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said these words. He said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I think that ultimately he's talking about a spiritual rest here. I think ultimately he's talking about a spiritual rest, knowing what he was going to go do for us, that we might be able to come to him and find a sense of spiritual rest in him and a rest for our souls. But don't you think that if we find rest for our souls spiritually, that other kinds of rest will follow? It's almost like spiritual rest is the one on which everything else rests, if that makes sense. It's like the foundation for everything else. When Jesus is your shepherd and you have spiritual rest, then you can also experience real emotional and mental and physical rest. I, I kind of believe, I mean, I genuinely believe that until you find your spiritual rest in Christ, you probably won't experience a whole lot of emotional, mental, or physical rest. But when you do have it, then it sets the foundation for everything else. If I know where I stand with God, that I'm his, it changes everything for me. If, if I know that he is my shepherd, it changes everything for me, that I have a base reality to go back to when the lies of worry and anxiety come at me. Some of you have lived in that world before. You know the lies of anxiety, the, the things that your anxieties tell you or the worries will tell you. They just aren't true. They don't match up with reality. I have a base reality if I know I belong to the shepherd that I can run back to every time I hear a lie from the enemy. And not only that, I have a source of love and meaning and purpose 
when the sinful desires come and tell me where I should be looking for those things. And it still will happen. When you are a Christian, it doesn't mean that temptation just goes away. I think there are times and seasons in life where you are mature in your faith and temptation doesn't feel as strong. And I think that's kind of what I'm talking about here. If your faith is in Christ and you, you recognize that he's the source of all these things for you, the source of love and meaning and purpose, and then when the sinful desires come, come talking, they don't seem as appealing. You're like, no, I already, I already have satisfaction of those things in Christ. I don't need it from this thing that you're trying to get me to do or this thing that you're trying to get me to pursue. And if I have value, if I have value in Christ that can't be diminished by my own weaknesses and shortcomings, then honestly, it's in those places where my shortcomings are where Christ's grace will become most evident in my life. So rather than, you know, beating ourselves up over our shortcomings or our failings or our weaknesses, the places where we feel like we fall short, those places become the places where God's grace shines the brightest in our life if we know that he is our shepherd. And when life is busy and my mind is running with all the things that I need to do and with all the areas of my life that need more attention, I can still lay my head down at night and go to sleep because I know that when I wake back up, God's still the same God that I left to go to sleep. And he didn't sleep. He knows what he's doing. And the very rest that I find physically as I sleep, trusting the Lord, is the fuel that I will need for living out God's purposes for me when I wake back up. So spiritual rest is the foundation for all these other kinds of rest. God is trying to provide us rest by being a shepherd to us so that we might have all these things that we need. And there's a verse that's been some help to me at at times lately. And I actually talked about this with another one of y'all earlier this week. And this verse is uh, Psalm 4610. It says, be still and know that I am God. Maybe you've heard that one before. We were talking, me and this person, about how we both had come across the idea of like doing like a breathing exercise where you like breathe in thinking be still and breathe out and know that I'm God. Just like, you know, be still and then know that I'm God. And how that helps us, you know, in, in moments of worry when we need to just relax. But you know what? That's only half the verse. There's more to the verse. You know, I went back and read it, and actually, I thought it'd be helpful to read the whole psalm tonight. I don't know how, how, how up for that you guys are, but I'd like to read the whole psalm. Can we do that? Psalm 46, because it'll put that verse in perspective for us, to be still and know that I'm God. Feel, feel free to flip there, and I'm just going to go ahead and begin reading. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Man, it it just adds something to that verse. Like, be still and know that I'm God. 
all these verses are describing what God does, and then he comes through in verse 10 and says something. So it's like a description of what God is doing and who he is and how his presence changes the game for us. And then he says, be still and know that I'm God. How is it that I can find rest? How is it that I can be still? It's because even when life is difficult, and even when anxieties have been getting to me, and when I'm busy, even when I've failed God, and even when I've got nothing left to offer, and even when there are still felt desires that seem to be going unfulfilled, how can I find rest? Because he is God, and he is with me. And that may seem like too simple of an answer for you. It's the best answer I've got. And that's the best answer he gives us a lot of times. He doesn't always just resolve the situation for us, pull us right out of the difficulty, but he'll say, I'm God, and I'm with you. Be still, you know. Stop your striving and notice his presence. Just sit still in it for a minute, you know. Because when your attention is on the shepherd, there's a sense of peace and protection that comes. When the shepherd is present and your mind is on him, there's a sense of peace that comes with that. I think sometimes we get it out of focus, like when you're trying to take a picture in portrait mode, you know, and only one, you can only focus on one thing and everything else is kind of blurry. It's like, if God is not the thing that's in focus, he's still in the picture, but you're not really noticing him. Your eyes are on something else. But when he comes into focus, everything else sort of fades into the background. And the other things don't stand out quite as much. The things that have you troubled, the things that have you worried, the things, those desires that you feel like are going unfulfilled. And really, his presence can become the lens through which we see all the other things that are going on in our life. We see it through the lens of his presence, and everything else looks different because we know that he's there. And finally, there's a third point, the shepherd restores. I'll be honest, it's hard to know exactly what kind of restoration the psalmist is talking about. Could mean a couple things. Could mean that it's the restoration in some sense of like renewal, like renewal of energy, like a, a reviving type thing. Or it could be that restoration is bringing something back to where it needs to be from where it is. You know, and the Hebrew verb actually here is most often used of like turning something back, like this word for restore is kind of like to return, return something back most of the time. But the other sense isn't totally out of the picture either. So I think we should just go with both hands. That is a sense of like reviving and bringing back to life, but also a sense of bringing back to where you should be from where you have been. And there are times that we need, what we need for the Lord is, is just a jolt of spirit life. You know, because we all know what it's like to have that stagnant season. To just kind of go through a season where it's sort of dry in your relationship with the Lord. And it's easiest to get to that place when nothing too crazy is going on in life. When things are going pretty smooth, you know, nothing too, is too crazy going on, you can just kind of slide off into this thing. I promise you, you never drift anywhere you actually want to go. So if you stop being intentional, those are the moments where you find that stagnant season. But it's a comfort to me know, to know that the Lord is not stagnant when I am. The Lord is still active. He may actually be using this message right now as a way of getting your attention if that's where you're at. But the Lord is not stagnant right now. He's still working out his purposes in your life in ways that matter behind the scenes that maybe you're not, not even aware of. But if you know this is where you stand right now, if you know that you're in that stagnant season, I want to, I want to say to you, draw near to God. Draw near. Move in his direction. Like, set your mind back on him because your mind has probably been off 
of him for a while. The focus hasn't been on him. So now I'll bring your, your focus back to him. James 4.8, I love it. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But it's not that he was ever distant. Okay, sometimes we read that verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's like, okay, if I turn around and start running back to God, then he'll turn around and come running back to me. That's not the way it was. He's never been distant. It's more like in drawing near to God, you will find that he is near. When I set my mind and attention back on him, I will find that he has been near all along. You do not have to stay where you're at if you're not in a, in a place where you want to be in your relationship with him. Rest assured that God's got no intention of just leaving you where you're at either. And When you draw near to God, you'll find him there. But drawing near to God in most cases is going to mean turning from something else. A lot of times turning to God or drawing near to God is means taking focus off of something else and putting it back on him or moving away from trying to live for something else and then returning to live for him. It may mean repenting. I want you to notice what the next couple of verses of James 4 say. So it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll exalt you. That doesn't sound real fun, right? But I think sometimes that's what we need. That's just what we need. It, if we really knew what we needed, sometimes we're running after things that we think we need and we're actually just chasing sin. And if we knew what we really needed, we would turn from that sin and go to him and find what we really need in him and find out what we really needed was repentance. So whether it's you're in a season of apathy or you're, you know, neglecting, you've been neglecting your faith or it's some other obvious sin in your life. A lot of times that drawing near to God and being restored is going to involve repentance on our part. And I don't want to say that all restoration that God does in our life involves repentance because sometimes there are things that happen in your life where you need God's renewal. You need kind of new, just like spirit life just because something difficult happened. And your spiritual energy is just depleted and your reserves have taken a hit and you need renewal from him. That happens sometimes based on nothing that you've done. He might just allow you to go through a season and he's got some kind of purpose in that. He's working out his plans in your life through allowing you to go through those difficult means, uh, the, the difficult means of his grace in your life. And he'll work to restore you in some sense as you walk through times like that and on the other side of times like that. But I know that in my own experience, the restoration that I've needed most often has involved some need of repentance for me. Some need of repentance on my part. And God, I have found him to be gentle and gracious and brings me back and restores me and renews my heart the way that a good shepherd would go after a lost and straying sheep. You know, and to that point, it is God himself who's working to restore us. It is not left to us. Let up, left up to us to just figure it out, find our way back. You know, I think sometimes we get this misperception of repentance like it's like that. I've been off, I, I strayed, and now I've got to find my way back. I've got to get back on the right path so I can get back to God. And I think that is a, a wrong idea of what repentance really is. I think instead, repentance is just responding to what the shepherd is trying to do. He's pursuing you. You may not realize it when you need to repent, but he's pursuing you. He's working in your life to bring truth into your life and working through his Holy Spirit to bring you back because he wants to restore you. 
And what, what repentance really is in that case is just surrender. I just say, okay, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to give myself to you, to the good shepherd, and be restored. What I'm asking you guys to do through all this tonight is just to see, just to see how great our shepherd really is and what a joy it is to be led by him. Recognize how good he is to us. He's the one who gives us life. He's the one who sustains our life. He's the one who's satisfied. He's the one who made a way for us to find rest for our souls, both spiritually and in all these other ways. He is a really good shepherd. He's laid down his life for his sheep, and he does not hesitate at all to restore one who is lost or straying. He stands ready to save and to restore anyone who is broken or lost or hurting in his own timing and in his own way. We can trust the shepherd. So look to the shepherd. 